Hey, everybody. Welcome to Multi Multi, a podcast discussing the multitude of multi-site student ministry. My name is EJ Swanson, and I'm joined here live with three of my great friends and one on the phone as well with us. I have Mr. Joe Crabb with us. Hey. This is Kim Schuler. Hello. Mr. Trevor Callis without a mic. Hi. And then our great friend Gina over from the west side of Michigan from Harbor Churches. Hey, Gina, how are you? Hey. Good to be here. We're so thankful that you are... You you know, we um, have had the opportunity to uh, chat with you a number of different times now. I know each of us individually, and um, you have quite not only the resume, but we've, uh, I haven't had a chance to read it, but I think Kim has dived into it. Some a wonderful book on women um, serving in ministry that we'd love to hear about today. And then um, this is going to be one of our spotlight episodes um, for you listeners out there where we're going to talk about the great things that are happening at Gina's church and um, some of the things that are working and aren't working. And then from that, hopefully take a couple of questions that maybe we can answer as well. So Gina, will you um, dive in, share a little bit about who you are, your church, and then we'd love to hear about um, the stuff that you have worked on or are working on right now. Yeah. Thanks, AJ. Uh, yeah, I'm Gina Abbas. I work at Harbor Churches. I'm the student team leader. We are uh, five campuses all within 30 minutes of each other. Uh, so our original campus is about 50 years old. And since 2010, we've added four more campuses and have a couple others in the wings. So I'm excited to you know be in this whole multi-site world with you to also learn a lot from you guys and um, and have a fun conversation. So Gina, tell me a little bit about um, Harbor Church here. Um, we know that you guys have uh, those five campuses. Um, what is the proximity of those campuses? How far do they spread out? And are all those um, are all those mobile or um, you know sites that you guys set up all week? Or mm-hmm. um, what do those look like? Right. Well, we are located in um, the Greater Grand Rapids area. Uh, five campuses, two of them meet at schools. I actually am at one of our campuses that are portable where you set it up every week. We meet at a middle school and that campus is um, three years old. And actually tonight we have a big meeting talking about um, building, buying some land. And um, so we're excited to potentially have our own space sometime soon. No, yeah, that's, that's super exciting. That's incredible. Is that um is that something that you guys have had to go through already as a church? Are there others who are already in that room kind of informing the conversation as you guys get ready to look at that and build out? Right. Um it's actually a really unique situation. Um we really believe in like that third space for people to gather that's not church that um that is something different, like a soccer field, a coffee shop, um, a farmer's market. So we are looking to buy land from our city township and develop it for the city as a gift to the city. Uh, that is a space that there's soccer happening, there's farmer's markets happening, there's a toddler lot. Um, and then we just happen to do church there once a week. And it's this whole big deal. And I'm really excited about it. I love how you said that. And we happen to do church there once a week, you know, um, and that's um, just a huge, huge win. I, I absolutely love, love hearing that. It's a great vision. It's yeah, a great vision. That's, that's sweet. What, um, Gina, what has been working for you guys at Harbor Church um, in the last season? And you can define that however you want. But what's really been working for you and your team? Yeah. Well, like a lot of multi-site churches, uh, sometimes we realize we're accidentally 
good at things, um, but not necessarily intentional. So we've gone through this whole reorganization, restructure, you know, have fun with org charts and all that. Um, and the one big change we've made this past year is uh, that we decided to just be way more collaborative and intentional and having our teams meet together. In our student ministry environment, we realized we met around events. Like we'd have an event to plan the winter retreat or an event, like we'd get together to talk about like a youth outreach thing. And then we accidentally like resourced, e resourced each other, um, but we didn't do it intentionally. So through this restructure with me leading the student, the student teams, we are meeting together regularly. All of our um, student pastors at the different campuses were coming together and doing things like writing a playbook, which I hear you guys are really good at that. Uh, <laughs> we, we have, we have we quite, have, we have quite a few. We yes, have quite indeed. a few. Of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, like just things like curriculum and content, everyone was kind of doing their own thing. We had no model. We realized that maybe we don't all have the same values. Um, we don't all use the same, um, onboarding process for new volunteers. So the, we've done the hard work this past year of being in the same room together, going to way more meetings than we've ever been to, having a day away and writing that guidebook so that we know what we are all stacking hands on. And that has been huge for us. Yeah, that sounds like a challenge and also like a celebration all in one. Agree. Yeah. Um, and Gina, I'd love for you to elaborate on that a little bit because I think we probably have some listeners who are on the brink of like, we see this and we see this need across our campuses that this needs to happen and we need it all come together. And we may have some on the back end too that are in that celebration mode of, um, hey, we've gotten here, what's next? Um, so can you share with us like, what has that journey looked like over the past year as you have led the teams um, from being more, uh, you know, individual to more of a collaborative model? Like what did you do to bring them together? How did you format those meetings? And um, now where you're at, what does that look like? Yeah, I think the very first thing we needed to do was honestly was just to be a team. Um, we didn't meet together on a regular basis. And being a team was huge for us. Let's get together. Let's eat. Let's celebrate birthdays. Celebrate that someone's having a baby. Uh, have some fun together. And that just really helped us to uh, be in relationship with each other. And through relationships come trust, come alignment. So we started with that. And just really looking at, are we being intentional about getting to know each other? So something as silly as we all filled out little sheets with like your favorite drink, your favorite snack. Um, like fun facts, and mm -hmm. we just shared that with each other. So something so simple, you're like, why didn't we do this before? So like bringing yeah. balloons for a birthday. So that culture of like celebration and relationship building, that was the first step, which opened the doors to having really significant conversations. And I think that's such a vital step, though. It's one of those things that can be easily overlooked, mm -hmm. uh, especially for individuals who just, they don't think that way, or they don't think it makes as big of an impact. But it's really what you do as a family. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I come from a large family, and we seem to want to celebrate everything. Uh, but that, cause that's what you do as a family. And even just in, in, in a working context, you can easily feel like, you know, I've got stuff 
to do and you can focus more at the task at hand and not those that you are blessed to do it with. And so I think creating that culture of fun and celebration uh, is so is so huge. And I know that's one of the things that over the years that we've kind of worked out, especially I think about our staff retreats, uh, which is such a key thing that we do mm -hmm. every year. And we get away for three days as a team. And I, if you were to attend one four or five years ago, they were very kind of like, rigid and uh, they just weren't fun. Like we more tried formal. to have fun, but they were more formal. And I think we just realized more and more, like if we spent more time during our staff retreat, having fun and engaging in community yeah. with one another, then when we do actually sit down around a table to discuss something, those conversations will actually be more fruitful because we're, we're seeing this as more as a get to, as opposed to a have to. And so I love that you guys identified that's where to start at and you take serious having fun and treating each other as family. Because as we know, like you have fun with each other's family, but families are also dysfunctional and they argue right. with each other. And right. <laughs> so, so it goes hand in hand. So, but it makes the arguing easier when you like each other. It does. Gina, do you guys office together? What's the setup for um, your campuses? Yeah, we do have an, our, at our original campus, we have like an open office environment with lots of little nooks and crannies to work in. So for the most part, we office together, but primarily the campuses that don't have a location. Um, so our campuses that do have buildings, they don't office here, but we try to once a week, everyone kind of is in the same place, in the same building. Okay. And now who sets that standard of accountability? Because I, I, I know you say a half hour away. I would say our furthest campus here is 45 minutes away. We talk to some other churches who you know are listeners of the podcast, and it can be upwards of an hour plus away. Uh, is it is it the lead person? Is it yourself? Is it the senior pastor? Who sets the, the standard and keeps them accountable that, hey, once a week, we all need to be in the same place? Yeah, no, that's good. What we've um, done is we have like all staff meeting days. Um, so we just try to all be in, in the same area on the same camp campus on those days. And um, we take turns of where that meeting is. Um, no, nobody really polices it. And it's kind of a newer thing because we realize that a lot of us work kind of alone or we don't see each other. So it's hard to build relationship when you're not in the same room together. Um, part of me wants to ask that question of like, well, so does it present some tension or have you found some tension yet with individuals who like, well, cause it's not something that they have to do that they just don't end up doing it, but I don't also want your team to listen to this podcast and be like, <laughs> why did you throw me under the bus? So, um, but yes, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that there's probably been some tension overall in, in trying to, uh, just create shift. that culture. Cause it is a change up. It yeah. is very much a change up. And I, I think that resistance to it at times can for individuals come from what they see as a, a good place, uh, because they've got a lot to do at their campuses and within their ministries. So. Yeah, yeah. I think for the most part, uh, well, like I said, we did this reorganization about a year ago. So even um, being in the same room together twice a month is a big step forward. <laughs> so uh, we're just kind of happy. We're like, hey, there's people and we get a lot of energy. A lot, Most of us get a lot of energy by working with other people. Um, but it's not currently policed. I work in an open office environment. I see a lot of people that's not everybody's story. Other people have to be more intentional about showing up. Got it. I agree. I agree. I agree completely. You have to make, and I think what helps making people want to be intentional 
what helps people make, want to be intentional is the relationship that you you have with one another. I think that just creates such such equity. I know EJ wants to ask you a question here in a moment, but I would just love, I, I like asking leaders this question from time to time. As you think through where your team is at now, where do you hope to see uh, them at a year from now? Like, do you think we're kind of starting now with creating this culture as a team, having fun, spending that week time to that, that time together every week? Uh, have you have you guys thought much about what that could look like six months to a year from now? Yeah, um, well, the very nature kind of multi site and us, you know, we want to be a church that plants churches, so we're always adding to our staff, and that changes a lot of dynamics. Um, so what I think a year from now, just to continue to be a place where, um, we like each other, we're growing together, we are, um, you know, writing these playbooks and stuff, but it's just more like, Hey, we are collaborative. Cause that's what we do. Uh, we share with each other cause that's what we do. And, and for someone brand new to walk in and feel very resourced and very loved right away. Um, so from a year from now, like our onboarding, you're like, it doesn't suck anymore mm -hmm. um, that we've learned from our mistakes. Like, oh, it took 12 months for your picture to get added to the website or we forgot to pay you your first, you know, six weeks here or something like that where you're like, oh, onboarding failure um, that we're learning from our mistakes. So these new people that we add, they're just ready to step in to have a really good experience um, but learning from our mistakes takes some honest conversations, and sometimes that's hard to hear feedback of, yeah, we did not do a good job with that. Um, so a year from now, I want a new staff person to come in and be so excited and have such a great experience to be part of the students' team. Yeah, that's um, that's that's a, a lot to think about as well in that, you know, just making sure that people are getting paid, I know, is a huge win by all means. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> I probably exaggerate. Right, right, right. No, that's all right. I'm sure I'm sure you'll get a call call from HR either way. But there are those processes that are often sometimes missed. Yeah, it's it can be it can be tough onboarding in different settings like that. Gina, what right, what type right. of thing do you guys find that as a multi-site you guys are struggling right now within student ministry? Yeah. Well, first of all, there's um, two things that I think are really going well that lead to the things they're struggling with. Um, one is we've learned that here's the 10 things we stack hands on and our hills to die on. Um, so we together, we like, here's the 10 things across campuses that we know we love and we're going to do. Um, but that has led to some questions. And I knew I was going to have a chance to talk with you guys. So I asked my staff, I said, hey, what are some questions that you have for you guys? Um, so here's the things that they want to know from you. All okay, right? yeah, let's do it. Okay. So now that we've done this whole reorg, some of our more creative people might feel a little boxed in. So here's a question. How are you creative in the middle of something that is structured and organized. So could you give uh, some more parameters to, to that, like specifically, like when they're talking about, because I'm sure they're probably talking about it in some regards in a specific way. Like, is it right, right. programming? Is it a retreat? What, what are some of those, those things they're feeling boxed in with? Yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, can, before we put together, like, here's the 10 things we stack hands on. Um, there are some campuses that are just writing their own curriculum, their own content, doing whatever games they wanted, just a lot of freedom, which wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't necessarily strategic to, because um, there's 
other people that really need that structure. Right. Um, so we are all going to use the same content and the same, we're going to use the same curriculum. So some, you know, people might feel a little boxed in by that. Each campus kind of had their own calendar of when they meet, um, what, what nights they take off. Now everyone's going to follow the same one. So if you're used to a lot of freedom and then you don't have that, how do you feel, still feel creative? Yeah. You know, Gina, I think when, when I came here and this is, um, you know, a lot of our sequences ago, um, when I came here to Woodside, we had a very similar setup in, in a lot of areas, uh, when it came to, uh, the creative freedom process. I remember one of the first moves we made, and this is when we were at six campuses was to, um, just all do the same, calendar design we weren't even or we weren't even on the same calendar but everybody on the same design so we weren't designing you know six different calendars and within that you know it um it, it was really tough i think what some of the things that we've done to move into processes of saying hey we want to hear your voice which honestly i think is one of the biggest parts for people who are creative to dive into is mm -hmm. to say, hey, we want to hear your ideas. We're not just going to make these decisions in silos. And then having the opportunity, if somebody does have a, a greater idea, to back down and say, no, that that's better. But I think part of multi-site, depending on the culture of your church, is also the spot where you have to say, no, guys, this is what we're doing as a team. And maybe Kim from the central side, you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think there's a balance to both, right? You want to set them up and create framework and parameters. Uh, but what, I, what I've seen work well for especially those creative individuals is still giving them ownership to come up with those elements or those 10 things that y'all are stacking hands on. So within series writing, within events, within retreats, creating teams, creating um, roles and responsibilities, whatever you want to call it, um, for them to give ideas, give feedback, share them, and then actually take ownership, write them, and create them. Um, so as a team, sit down, all right, what what do we feel across the campuses students need to hear about this upcoming year? And share all the ideas as a team collabor collaboratively, um, collaboratively uh, decide on, hey, what's next or what are we going to run with and giving them ownership. So there's that buy-in on their end. Um, and mm -hmm. I don't know how right now Harbor Church is set up for that, or if it's a, nope, central decides and it's fleshed out, here you go, or if it is more of that collaboration, which I know um, you guys are in that season of continually building. Hey, oh, you have something? Yeah, I, I was just going to mention, because Kim, you said, you know, central decides. Here at Woodside, um, within our our structures in all of our core ministries. Um, Central has uh, basically, we have a document that we go through called decision rights. And the kind of working of that is Central makes the decision flat out. Central makes the decision with input from the campuses. There's consensus across Central and the campuses making decisions. The campus makes the decision with Central input. And then the, the fifth category is that uh, the campus makes the decision and Central doesn't have any. So I think for us too, that's some of the time where it's like, hey, you do get freedom in that decision and creativity mm -hmm. around that however you want, but these things you don't. And we would be happy to share that with you. Yeah. Uh, and 
I think to to even get back to the the heart of the question, and Kim and EJ did a great job of kind of setting like a really a, a foundation. Is you have a good tension. You have your you have teammates that are gifted and creative in a certain way, mm-hmm. and they that's a that's where God has wired them, uh, and they're looking for an outlet for for that. I think always keep remembering them. You know some of those lines that we hear consistently throughout multi-site world of like, hey, we can do more together, and right. Um, that end of like, okay, you desire to do this in this way. So for that individual who likes to to write and they kind of want to write their own message and, you know, they're a great communicator. One, I know in a teaching aspect, in, I know in our context, both main service and, you know, in our student environments, you know, they, they do to kind of contextualize those message notes to begin with. So they're not completely boxed in. And I think there's a lot more freedom there than some often give credit to. I think that the reason why sometimes freedom doesn't get expressed in those ways has less to do with what's been delivered to them and more to do with their time prepping to deliver that message because they're not giving the space to be creative. On mm-hmm. to- top of that, I think we it's it's need the need is is there to be intentional about other opportunities in which they can express those creative gifts that they have. So I think through our like our retreat messages or for our week long mission trip that we have coming up uh, hope week, which we do a session every night is that Mm -hmm. those aren't messages that are written by anybody else outside of those communicators. And so there's a few of those opportunities we have built in throughout the, the year so I think even finding other ways for those outlets to be expressed, because if that mm-hmm. guy or girl who has like, they love coming up with the most ridiculous, crazy game, I think inviting them into the process to maybe lead out what games look like across the campuses that invites and validates that voice or saying, hey, listen, we need the best games we can get at retreat this year. So let's put you on what that looks like here um, to to make that re- that that element better across the campuses. So leveraging those gifts and really saying, hey, when we put our best people on these certain things and we go walk hand in hand or stack hands on these things, it it honestly just frees us up more. And I, I mean, uh, hopefully they're they're listening to this episode. I would just challenge you to think outside of the box when it comes to your creativity. And if you're actually creative, you can begin to learn to think outside the box. Yeah, that's good. And I love like being leading together collaboratively really does set our team up really well for really good ideas to win and, and be heard and make a significant impact across all the campuses, not just one. I, and and that's that's true. I think that's just important to continue to keep in front of people, especially as you're onboarding new staff. I think I've come to realize that we can oftentimes think uh, that that new individuals or individuals who haven't been around a long just get it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's an uh, there's an idea and probably a truth of transference of culture, but language shapes culture. And so continuing to, to remind that, cast that vision, tell the stories of that, champion that. Hey, because this individual did this, man, I saw how we were able to do so much more with X, Y, and Z this year. And I love how we work together as a team. So uh, other other questions that you have? You have one or, one or two more yeah. you want to throw in? Let's talk about communication. All right. So you have people from all different campuses, different locations, some full-time, some part-time. How do you make sure that everyone 
who needs to know something does in a timely manner. So you're not that staff person sitting in church on a Sunday morning hearing something for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> prayer. Lots of prayer. <laughs> prayer, prayer. I actually, I actually began to to give a sigh, like a Charlie Brown cartoon <laughs> middle of the, midway through. I'll say this much. On a, on a large-scale church, like the church at large, the Harper Church at large, Woodside at large, um, I, I don't know how much we, uh, like, I feel like we can help control and influence that to a degree. Um, I, I think we tend to focus more on what we can control within the world of student ministries. And I think that mantra of, like, no surprises or limit surprises mm-hmm. is important. I would much rather, and not in a sense of arrogance, but be able to say, like, no, there's a paper trail of communication here uh, and it's to be able to point back on. And so... I think that that's a, a key way. And so that, that paper drill, I think, is multifaceted. And Kim, you want to speak to some of those those things that make up that, that communication across the within campuses? Within students? Yeah, within students. Yeah, so definitely if you haven't started a message thread with them, that's a great start. Um, we usually keep that for fun and frivolity and, like, the joking aspects as well. Lots, as like- of, <laughs> lots of memes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and again, a great space just to create that team, um, team aspect, something we started this past year and which we have done in a previous model as well, but we brought back where, um, we were shifting into that central model is we have a core team on the student team. So we've got four guys and myself, um, you know, who would meet once a month. And um, then within that, they hub or they oversee other uh, guys and gals across the campuses. So that right there is a great, has been a great tool and way to streamline communication. So instead of myself or whoever is on central in that position, contacting all 14 or shooting a text Mm -hmm. in that dream team, which I mean, to be honest, some of the guys or girls probably have it on silent mode and don't even pay much attention to because at times, you know, it goes bonkers and everybody's responding and you have 54 text messages from that one thread. I think that's actually probably one of the, as much as I like the feature, I think that's one of the worst features that Apple introduced (laughs) was the reactions to text because then it pings (laughs) that you have a text. Mm -hmm, I don't think they should count it. Like, I don't. I don't know. I just because that's why you have 54 yeah. and you're just like you turn off your phone, and you mute the thread because it's just blowing up where it's like, actually, there's only been seven messages exchanged, but everybody was adding exclamation points and loves and ha ha's. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Um, so through the core team and their hubs, that is a way a lot of the communication gets transferred, uh, whether it be through an email to the core team, a quick text to the core team, or we use Office 365 a lot here at Woodside. So we've got SharePoint and we have Teams. Um, so amongst the teams, you have the whole Woodside student team or your entire student team that you can communicate to but specifically uh, the core team as well. Um, So, you know, creating that paper trail, creating that thing to reference, to look back on uh, when communicating, I think is important. Um, So that if someone does have a question or they know where they can look for that information. Uh, So we we have something called the Woodside Way uh, that is on SharePoint. And that is where a lot of those specific things get posted up once communicated so that they can 
always have access to it. And I would say as, as obnoxious as it might be, one of the things that was done, that has been done well, uh, I would text Kim and be like, hey, where's this? And she would tell me the Woodside way. And Kim knows that when I'm texting her that, that what I really wanted was for her just to send it to me directly. But, <laughs> and but that's she, not going to happen. <laughs> but she knows that, hey, you just have to teach the, the culture. And I think that's so important for everybody because like there will be times in which you or that individual who's being asked for that is not going to be available. And the person asking for is going to need it in a timely way. And so I think make, letting them know how you're going to communicate, when you're going to communicate, and what forms of communication, communication are going to be used for um, in different things. I was uh, listening to um, Frank Beeler on the Carrie Newhoff podcast, an old episode, and him and Carrie were talking about communication with their team. And I loved this principle that they shared is that if it demands immediate attention, like actually demands immediate attention, then text me about it. If it uh, does not demand immediate attention, then email me about it. And in the subject mm -hmm. line, put a timestamp, you know, so need retreat graphic Thursday. You know, so right. that way that individual, even if you're you, you're checking your your work email late at night and everything, you can just look and see and you say, oh, Thursday, I'm not going to look at that right now. They don't need it. And it kind of helps like, oh, if somebody's just text me individually. They must need something. So I'm going to open up my phone and, and look at that right now. And obviously, if I think we all know if somebody makes a phone call, then we're like, what happened? Is the world ending? Mm. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think so true. That's that's good, Joe. Creating those clear pathways and avenues for communication, but doesn't interfere with family or personal time. You know, if it's if it's not needed, I think that's so yeah. key. We just added. I begged for it. We just um, added Slack as a tool for our team. Okay. And one of the features that. Um, we have learned is that you can use this, the fun little emojis. So if there's something that we think a new person would need to know, we put a green tree in it, like the Wi-Fi oh, nice. password. That's where awesome. To find this document, um, and you can search it. So you just type, you just in a search box, put search the green tree. That. That's yeah, that's nice. I think that's a lot. That sounds a lot it's more awesome. innovative than the iMessage search. I find that can be so difficult yeah. and frustrating at times to actually find something via iMessage, right. and so. Huh. So if you're listening, yeah. Apple, Tim Cook, let's get on it. Yeah. Slack is ahead of you. Yeah, and hopefully he is listening. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be so fun. If you could just help us to get our Wi-Fi to work better here, it'd be it'd be awesome. Gina, um, why don't you throw one more at us if you have it, and um, we'll we'll wrap up things after that. It's been awesome talking to you. What else has your team been thinking about? Yeah, just now moving to our collaborative model, we're in a room together a lot and enjoying that. But we get some good ideas that get thrown out there. So here's the question that I got asked is, how do you have a process for getting a new idea rolling, it not stalling or just getting forgotten because you're, you know, Sunday's coming and you're doing a hundred other things? Yeah, uh, I think that's so, so huge. I think the one, again, right off the bat, and it's a, a pithy statement I've said before on the podcast is, you know, remembering the why or knowing the why because the why drives the what. And so why did they want to do that idea? Mm -hmm. And if it's really worth doing, then they'll do it. And so I think one of the principles that we've learned, and I'm sure we learned it from Patrick Lencioni or somebody else who does it far better than us, is don't leave the room without it being assigned to somebody. Uh, Amen. And so, as long, so it's like, okay, we're going to run mm -hmm. with that. 
Will you go ahead, send us, just take a moment, write a quick brief about that, send it out to the team with what you think potential next steps are and what you would need uh, in order to help give that traction. So that way, I, and when I hear it that way, I don't think that it's just on me. So it's like, hey, Joe, send out that brief and I'm going to write up, hey, guys, for this retreat game, uh, this is the vision for it. This is kind of why we want to do it. Uh, these are the resources we need. These are next steps. So, hey, John, you're great at building. Would you be able to build this out? Uh, Kim, you're controlling the budget. Do I have the $200 that I need for this? Caleb, you're running games for retreat. Uh, is there anything else that we should know? How do we make this great? And then right off the bat, when that assignment was given to me, that caveat of like, what else would you need or who else would you need uh, kind of gives some direction that I'm not about just to do this alone. Now, that's not always the case. There might be some smaller things where it's just like run with it and go with it. Um, but I think one of the things that each one of us here on the mics over on the east side of the state of Michigan um, have tried to do in those moments as well is it, if it's a bigger thing and it's an important thing, is that there might be a smaller thing that that person is currently doing that we can take off their plate personally or we can shift to somebody else on the team uh, mm -hmm. and that that will allow them to to kind of create that space for innovation and do that new thing. So um, those are some of the the hacks I would say that we've done and helped getting new ideas rolling. Kim, I think, does great with some accountability stuff. Do you want to kind of talk about how you would follow up with them to make sure that that stays? Like your notifications yeah, and calendars I and so Yeah, I love deadlines. Love them. Um, and so with that, I would set out almost like re reinvent the – or reverse – what is it? What am I looking for? Like – Re reverse engineer. Reverse engineer. I got yeah. you. Thank you, EJ. Um, you know, hey, when do we need this? Ha when does this have to be done by? Um, so from that, what are those points or those check marks that need to be met along the way to make sure that we are on task? And through Outlook, through probably many different programs, there's a way to automate automate reminders. And so I would just do that because if anything, it would help keep it in front of us as well as myself too, as a reminder, Ooh, I need to check in. Hey, how can I help? How can I serve you during this? Um, do you need any resources just to make sure that they're still moving along? And what are the things in that meeting when that comes up, whoever, I don't think it has to necessarily be the person who's leading the meeting, anybody, but like if that, if that idea comes up, we're like, Ooh, that's a really good idea. I think that it's good just to ask the question, okay, what's the realistic deadline for this? When would we need it by? Um, and then uh, what's gonna stop this from happening? So it's this, you know, hey, Joe, you really wanna do that game for retreat. What's gonna stop it from happening? Because right. then as the person who's really excited and passionate about it, mm -hmm. I can now think, and I'm being asked to think, what obstacles do I need to already move and, and, and speak into a public place so I can kind of be held accountable to it right. and say, you know what? If And even be thinking through like, okay, you're right. Now I actually have to move past just the large scale 30,000 foot idea phase and like the 10,000, 5,000 boot on the ground, actual implementation, execution, creation, all that stuff. But that even allows the, the mm -hmm. team in that moment, if I'm saying, you know what, if I didn't have to uh, run this game for mealtime at retreat, then that would allow me to do this for a large group game. And one of those other guys would be like, well, I can do it. Or my intern can run that meal game for you or someone else can help out. So it, it allows you in real time to kind of troubleshoot and set that person up for success, mm -hmm. which and ultimately the sets the team up for success. So, yeah, 
And it helps those visionaries remember, hey, deadlines and details can help make things come, your dreams come true. Yeah, no, very much so. <laughs> their, their worst enemy to their idea might be themselves. So, yep. Yeah, and that, I think, as a, as a three, that is my biggest nightmare. <laughs> but that's why we have great people around us. And, um, so true. In Gina, I think we would all say that, um, you know, you're one of those great people around us. We've so enjoyed talking to you not only today, but in the past as well. And um, just to learn from each other. Thanks for sharing a little bit about um, your ministry in Harbor Church. And uh, we would love to, to continue to partner with you and see what God is doing over on the West side and um, with your ministry across the country. What's the best way for people to get in contact with you, um, either via social media or email, that type of thing, if, uh, if they'd like to? Yeah, at Youth Leader Gina on Twitter, Instagram, all the Pinterest, all the things. At Youth Leader Gina, you can find me. Awesome. Thanks so yeah. much. Again, Thanks, we appreciate guys. you having here. We love you guys. God loves you more. Thanks for listening to Multi Multi. See Bye. ya. Bye.